Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Paper Bag Philosophy Podcast, the podcast with the sexiest audience. Today my guest is Sarah Catherine Fort, who is an intentionalist coach, and uh, she's going to tell us some things about mindfulness. And I got to say that for the past uh, hour or so, I've been talking to Sarah and we've had a really good conversation. She's got a lot of good ideas and a lot of good energy. So I want to listen to what she has to say. So how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm actually making magnets right now while we while we talk. So if you hear any noises, um, my my equipment's a little a little um, cheap, I guess. But you know, as time goes on, this will get better. All right. So um, things that you were talking oh earlier. Uh, You reached out to me because I had written a blog post, and that blog post was called Relax. It's not the end of the world. It's just the apocalypse. And that was something that uh, really resonated with you. Yes. What was it it about that idea or that that blog in general that, that stood out to you? Well, it's the fact that what we're experiencing is a paradigm shift, and that we're all experiencing that, and... It's a thing I've, uh, I don't fully grasp, but I understand more and more. I feel like it's kind of cyclical, you know. I come to understand it a little bit more over and over again, but um, that we're all just one thing. We're all from the source. Our source is the same, you know, so there's no outside to what God is, um, which is what I would use to describe it, but... um, you know, I used to think of God as like, I don't know, I always pictured him as like, uh, what's his name? Poseidon? Wait, what, isn't that the Little Mermaid's dad? Yeah. Okay. That's, I don't know why, but that's who I pictured as God since I was a kid. But that's different from what I have come to know is God. So you're, you're, you're talking about that you pictured him like having a physical form. Right. But now you think that it's not so much a physical form as it is, what, what do you think God is? Um, I, what, I, what I know is that I know nothing. <laughs> and um, the more I know, the less I know. And to say that I knew what God is and to describe it in a way that, you know, with these very imperfect words, I mean, it would be, it would be impossible. And I don't believe anyone that says that they know what that is. So you don't think that it's something that you can fully grasp in this form? I, I do not, but I think the closest way to experience that is like self-love. And it's, uh, just some like crazy, like seeming phenomenon that we've all been taught that self-love is selfish somehow. Oh, actually, I'd love to talk to you more about that. That uh, here's a here's one of my ideas. Um, so one of the things that I think is that at the end of the day, all of our actions are selfish acts actions. Absolutely. So you, like I get I get um, pushback on this because um, right. people were like. Well, you know, I helped this lady with the groceries and everything, and then well, I point out, okay, so why did you do that? Right. And then they will say, well, because it was the right thing to do. Why did you do it? Well, because it felt good. Ah, there you go. Right. You did it because it was something that made you feel good, and therefore it was a selfish action. And I think that this applies to most actions. 
And I think that what we really need to learn as a culture is um, selective selfishness. Mm -hmm. I think that it is a good idea to be loyal. Um, or It's a good thing to be loyal to your friends and your family and everything like that. But at the same time, you have to realize that you need to be selfish sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, particularly in areas of self-care. It is exhausting mm -hmm. being around people all the time. And I know people who have the personality, and I used to have this personality where I was always trying to help other people. Well, all of these, <laughs> all of these other people, they, uh, they absorbed all of my energy, and then I had nothing left for myself. Right. At the end of the day, who am I able to help if I'm not able to function, you know? If you want to help everyone, you will help no one. You have to get specific about who you're going to help. And uh, there was a book um, that I really, and since you don't censor these podcasts, um, oh man, I'm going to say it. So um, it's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I have heard uh, of that. By Mark Manson. So good. He said, once you start committing to people, once he started committing to people, places, and things that his life had changed. And, you know, I've said that a million times. I've probably, if, if you're listening and I've talked to you about this, I've probably said that because it was so influential. That's why I'm in Owensboro. That is why I'm here in this town that I do feel a little bit of like an outsider in. Um, but what I've learned is that um, if I can see myself in any other person that I choose to see myself in and um, so I've just been trying to treat everyone in every situation with the same type of um, kindness and then the people who get extra are the people who are on my like I literally like I had to make a list because I was so fragmented like when you when you have that many energy streams going out you can guarantee that your output is like it's diluted it's not it's no good it's no good for anybody and so it's been a really hard time and i think that a lot of people have probably think that i'm some type of asshole but it was me just um, reserving my energy for myself and the people immediately around me and I, I haven't found a number of people that feels um, like it all feels pretty. It feels hard no matter what, even mm -hmm. when you've got five people. It's like it fills up that, that space, the, the needs and wants of other people. And so you well, kind of have to turn it off sometimes. That is definitely something that I've noticed. I, I know that um, there's projects that I've wanted to work on in the past, and I've put those aside because a friend wanted to hang out or somebody said, hey, I needed to talk to you about something. And I was, I got to a point where I said, you know, I've got these things that I want to do. Mm -hmm. I need to actually sit down and do them. Right. Right. So, Hence why we're here right now. Exactly. So yeah. that was uh, one of the things that we talked about today in our conversation. You actually hit me up today and said, hey, yeah. I love what you said yep. in, this, uh, in this blog post. I would love to talk to you about it. I've been thinking about doing a podcast. And I said, hey, I've been thinking about doing a podcast. Why don't we get together and we can practice, do a trial run? And so a thing I've been saying to myself, you know, you said you like Esther Hicks or you have a book by Esther Hicks. I listen to her every single day. And there's a thing that she said, kind of like a mantra to repeat. And it's, um, okay, so I, Sarah, 
see and draw to me uh, people who, ooh, this is going to be rough. I haven't memorized that yet, but see and draw to me those who wish to be enlightened by my process. The sharing will elevate us both now. Isn't that effing beautiful? Whew. So let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Um, what you just did there was an affirmation. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, this is something you participate in on a regular basis? Yes. I read a book called The Power of Habit, I believe is what it's called. And he said that you can rewrite your neural pathways through repetition. And so, you know, I... I tell people, you know, you can change the way you think, and you know, they're like, that's easy for you to say. I mean, it's e it's not easy for anyone. It is simple, but it is difficult, or it takes time. It takes practice. It's like learning an instrument. You, um, you know, the little divots in your brain. You're basically like, just imagine yourself digging a trench out there. You're like digging that new neural pathway, and it is, it's. Um, it's not easy, but it's so rewarding. Um, also, this is a little offshoot, but how movement can influence your brain activity, um, like bilateral stimulation. Like, there's just so many things that go into this. Like, our, we're just a machine. Mm -hmm. And if we understood how we work and how we function and could make the changes, like if we could eat properly and move enough, and do all of that, like, which I believe is where we're all headed. And I think we're headed to like some very extreme, uh, like boosts, if you will, you know. And that's uh, that's what I'm arguing for in my blog post. Yeah. That uh, this is a time of great awakening where we're all realizing what's going on around us. We're all collectively recognizing our inner power. Right. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it looks like. We're just recognizing that it's there. Yes. And I'll challenge you because semantics, ugh. Um, instead of saying arguing for because doesn't that doesn't really exist, you know, you are promoting you know, and it is our, our, so they say that when you write things, your spelling, like that comes from the fact that when you write, like it will come true. Does that make sense? No, that is and actually something that I, I, I've looked into a lot. And so that's why I actually, um, I will, what I do is I sit down every day with my notebook and I'll write a page worth of affirmations. Mm -hmm. They're either affirmations that I've memorized in the past or affirmations that I'm making up at the spot that uh, go along with what I'm wanting to focus on. Yes. Focus, focus, focus. Man, I tell myself to focus all the time, by the way. I mean, you can see it written over here. But um, I started with uh, that book, The Power of Concentration. He said to... Um, Take a book and read a page and then shut the book and try and recall what you just read. And if you do that a few times, you'll remember it you'll remember it so quickly that it will be encouraging and you'll want to do more of that because it's kind of the same way that um, you know, I was talking about the brag book that I do and uh have how I have to recall my day and what I did, like that's a huge uh, I don't know. It's just. Why don't you go ahead and tell 
repeat this. The, the, I know that we talked about the brag thing yes. earlier. Repeat that for the audience because I think okay. that that was actually something that was super beneficial. Yes. Okay. I took a course, a business course, um, where my mentor told me um, to have a journal that I use every day, a brag book and a gratitude journal. And I just put them together in one book and I. I have a moleskine and it's got, you know, it's a day, one page, one day. And I, so I write brag, number one. And then I have to recall my day. I think how I woke up. Sometimes I'll say I slept in. Sometimes I'll say I got up early. Sometimes I'll say I got out of bed on my first alarm. Like uh, just usually just something that I can brag about that I did different, you know. And sometimes it's giving myself a break, which... Has, is unheard of. I've just, as I've worked for myself, I've worked myself to death because that's what I learned to do. I, I find myself doing that a lot as well. It's not about the action you take, it's the intelligent action that you take. So it's about knowing, so we know this information um, and we need to put it into practice, but it has to be those two things have to be in good balance or it just everything has to be balanced it's the Tao right so you said intelligent action I, I like the idea of that um, can you expand on that a little bit more well it's you know first of all me talking to you about this gives me ideas um, if any of you have hung out with me in the past I'd say year or so that's all I seem to talk about, and it can be very annoying. Um, but what I want is is to have as much information as possible before I start to put it in practice. But now I feel like I've kind of I feel confident in, in the things that I know, and so I've kind of now I'm starting to put them in put them into action. It's kind of like a, um, I have an, an example from a show that I was watching where they were. Uh, recovering these old dairy barns and making them into houses and there was one guy out of all these seasons I just let it play in the background and one guy was came in under budget like $60,000 and he said he said that's never happened on the show everyone always goes over what was your secret and he said I took my time he said I wanted it I wanted it to be done in a year but I also wanted to salvage my budget it's like one or the other you know and he I mean he it took him four years to do it but it was like when you plan it's about the planning it's way more about the planning than it is the action and I always thought it was the action and I made myself so tired I mean I nearly probably killed myself like like most of you are probably saying yeah me too and it's because we're the same thing it's for the same thing. Have you ever heard the quote from Abraham Lincoln? Um, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I would spend seven hours sharpening my axe. Yes. And that's what I think about planning. Yeah. Um, awesome. I think that it's about, you know, focusing your your time on getting the most results. Mm -hmm. um, making the job as easy as possible. Okay. Planning it up. That's perfect. We wanted to talk about habits. That's like, that's like the perfect segue because the, the best way to do that is, okay, um, how do you want to start your day? Well, I want to, I know for me, this is what I've 
learned over the years. I haven't been able to put it into all of it together, but like just bits and pieces, and it's going to come together one day. But I would like to get up at the same exact time every day. That's what Jordan Peters, Peterson says to do. That's um, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And have like a perfect, like a perfect morning routine um, for like an hour or two. Give that for the first two hours of your day to like meditate, exercise, um, and then do something like the whole thirty and intermittent fasting. Those are the two things that have worked well for me and uh, make me feel good. And um, like, so it's like a combination of all these habits. You see, it's like, and if we, I'm learning that I can only change one habit at a time and it's easiest to attach a, ha a new habit to an old habit that is firmly established. So for example, I make my bed every single day every single day I make my bed no matter what so then I need to attach something to that and and so on and so forth like it just I think that uh, it can feel like I'm stuck it can feel like I'm stagnant and all of these things but it's kind of like that thing if you turn back and look like you don't even recognize where you've been and that's just like not even who you are and so I think that's tough too I don't know why I just had this thought but everybody out there thinking about like how other people see them and all of that. I think that there's a huge problem with that because of Facebook and I don't know where this is coming from. I'm just going to tell you, but um, I feel like we can't worry about the way our, we're projecting our image because it's all, everyone interprets that differently. And yeah. it's none of, no two of us have the same perception in any way, shape, or form about anything. I think it was either Cary Grant or Frank Sinatra said, "How some somebody else's opinion of me is none mm -hmm. of my business. Oh, yeah. And I love that. Freaking spot on. Now, if I could learn how to live all of the things that I know to be, not know to be true, but really believe would be helpful, that would be amazing. And I think that it just comes down to time and dedication because mm -hmm. uh, what you're talking about, about how you used to not do the habits, but you've been working towards them. You've been doing the, these different things day after day after day um, and building upon the habits. For me, like I walk every day and then I take a shower and then after I shower, I meditate. So that's, you know, my transition. Right. And um, so as long as I'm walking every day, I'm showering every day, I'm right. meditating every day, which yes. goes right into me writing every day. Yes. I made, I started that with a list of 20 things that made me feel good no matter what. And like one of those things is to take a shower. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like people don't realize it's like if you're depressed, seriously, go take a shower and just see if you feel better. I mean, it changes everything but then that's why people we fall into these same habits and routines of like self-neglect and i think it's because our parents you know as every generation has worked out their trauma on their children you know in some of that trauma isn't even that bad but all of this generational trauma is handed handed down and handed down and handed down whether you want to or not and we have to heal it. And someone told me once that, and this is a little bit like out there, but I love it. They said, if you heal the genera generational trauma in you, you heal it in your entire ancestral line. See, okay, so um, I go back to this idea in the Bible, and it says something along the lines of, I'm, I'm not a Bible expert, it's just something I remember from when I went to church. 
but um, about uh, the sins of a generation follow through for seven generations afterwards or something like that. And um, so in my blog post, when I talked about generational sin, I was also this generational trauma that you're talking about. That's what that's what I'm talking about as well. It's something that we've been passing down generation after generation after generation, right. and it's different things, mm-hmm. but it's all of this negative energy that we've been holding on to. Yeah, and, and we're expelling it. And we're expelling it at a, a pretty rapid rate, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yes. Yes, I think everything's uh, very sped up. I think one of the, par- the first paradigms to go will be time, because time does not exist the way that we think it does. And that's really going to be hard for a lot of people. And you know what? I could be wrong. This is just what I and this yeah. is my brain. We've all got our theories about yeah. what's going on. Right. And I think that um, I think people are going to have a hard time with it because of the way they uh, faux structured their life. They think it's felt so secure. Like it's like everything's so uncertain. It's always been this uncertain forever. Like, the fact that we thought it wasn't may have to do with the fact that we're a little bit brainwashed, but that's neither here nor there. The (laughs) the point is, is we have to, like, realize that um, we just, we were wrong. Charles Dickens, uh, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, From my perspective, it always has been and always will be. Yeah. Yes. Um, Esther Hicks talks about, you know, there was a guy that came up and he was really he was really articulate about he said how can you say that the law of attraction exists when there's been all of these atrocities like look look at history you know there's been genocides like how can you say those people took that on themselves and she said you cannot take on the suffering of millions of people that's impossible and you will always find yourself unhappy there are always haves and there are always have-nots there are always there's always injustice there's always the only thing you can ever fix is what's immediately in front of your face like this reality right here that you can physically touch like you can influence other things but like we need to get back to the present moment that's the only thing that actually exists mm-hmm. you know we talk about the presence where our we're already not being present when we're talking about the present moment, if that makes any sense, because it's just happened. And you know what I'm saying? We can't even catch that shit. Um, Oh yeah. George Carlin has a great bit about that. So theoretical question, just hypothetical. You said that you think that time is going to be one of the first paradigms to shift. What do you think that's going to look like? I think it's already happened. It's really sped up. And I think that's the Corona offered, a like respite from that because we were gonna freaking like explode and it's really interesting someone told me this once my friend Zach he said that we um he studied like cultural anthropology I believe and he said that we put we output or we produce like significantly less than we consume and like we're like the only country that's like that and it's not sustainable you know mm-hmm. we um i'm just gonna quote rick and morty but i'm just gonna save you all of the trouble for it so anyway but go on okay so you think <laughs> you you think that what we've been experiencing has actually been kind of 
time shifts where we're forced to speed up and slow down. I have the perfect example. I saw a guy picketing. It's like online. It was a meme and he was holding a sign and it said, what do we want? Time travel. When do we want it? It's irrelevant. <laughs> and it's like, right? Because if it existed, if it did exist, then it's always existed. Well, yeah. So I like to think that that's very fucking possible. I do casually let the F-bomb slip out. But I would like to think that that's very possible because everything's possible. Like, Flaming Lips, they said, do you realize we're floating in space? That's one of my all-time favorite songs. <laughs> yes. Yes. You got any questions? All right. Uh, Terrible place. But anyway, okay. I also saw them in Monterey, but I only caught the end of their show. So. Let's bring it back. Okay. Yeah, Flaming Lips, good stuff. There's all kinds of good stuff in songs. I think there's something about music that's like cosmically connecting and math. <laughs> it's like I know I know this stuff, but I don't I don't know anything. Well, okay. So how do you how do you feel about the idea that we're all vibrational beings? Yeah. Um, frequencies. I was talking about that earlier. You know, that's why we're sitting here together because we are on the same. Like you're meditating, you're doing all these things. Like there is, there are wavelengths. Mm-hmm. And what I've found in this town in particular, no offense, don't feel offended, or it's true. But um, the point is, is like there's just a lot of there's like it's just a different frequency. It's like. They're tuned to 92.5, we'll say. And yeah. and I don't know what we're tuned to, just something different. It doesn't make us better, worse, anything like that. It just means that if you're listening to this and you can't resonate with it or you think it's bullshit or you don't like it, like turn the station because you'll find something you do like. You don't have to. This world, think of it like a buffet. You don't walk through a buffet and say, that's gross. Ooh, that's nasty. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You're like, oh, I'll have some of this, I'll have some of this, I'll have some of this. And that's what we need to be doing. And when we see something we don't like, that's for you too. Mm-hmm. It's for you to know, it's for you to calibrate your frequency, your vibration. It's like, okay, that didn't feel good. So what can you change about it? Because the only thing you can change is your reaction to it, I guess. I guess you're... Well, that's ultimately at the end of the day, all you have control over, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is your reaction to things. Yeah. Um, you know, we had no control that the coronavirus came out. We have no control that all of these, um, protests and riots have broken out. Like, we've had no control over that. Right. That's just reality. And we can only react to it. And we choose our own reactions, mm-hmm. though. And that's where the power comes from. That is... The thing is, is if you don't choose your own reaction, you are allowing someone else to choose for you so if you go home every day and you turn on the news and uh there's a tool reference in there that he's like uh what's your the flavor you know what's your flavor of it's like i can't remember how it goes (laughs) but um it's like it's always something tragic like tragic and Mm -hmm. and it's like if you want to stay in that in that feeling that's where you'll that's where you'll be because it, there it exists all the time and i think i actually heard jordan peterson talk about the media and he said that what we're experiencing why it seems so polarizing is because it's the media's like last gasp 
because our parents' generation, they're like the last ones that really watch the news as much. I mean, I think that uh, people our age are able to um, find things that they believe in a little bit more, like um, instead of Fox News and, like, and stuff uh, like that. Independent journalists. Yes, like exactly. That. Or like NPR or anything, you know, or, you know, looking at sources outside of the United States to see what that looks like too. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I think that we do that more. And so I think that the media is trying to like hold, have its grasp on us. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the media from my perspective has actually been, well, we were talking about brainwashing and mind control right, earlier. Right. And I don't think that this is a new phenomenon. No. I think that this is something that they've been planning on from the beginning. Absolutely. And uh, are you aware of Project Mockingbird? That's a, that's a good... I don't think so. Oh, oh okay. So this is fun. Um, this is, like, released and um, well-known now. Like, you can find it on Wikipedia, but it's called Project uh, Mockingbird. And essentially, I think it was around the 60s, maybe before that, mm -hmm. um, the CIA put people inside of media organizations specifically to spread propaganda to the American people. Now, they got found Wait, out. That's like also um, all of the actors and actresses in Hollywood, right? Kind of the same. Yes. Okay. Type so deal. There, there is. People of influ influence. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of people of influence now and there's different subcultures and a lot of these people are actually presenting a message they're presenting uh going back to hollywood uh the hollywood studios actually have like huge contracts with the military right and these contracts allow the military to essentially insert propaganda into these films mm -hmm. and um so it becomes very pro-military like, we're always the good guys. We never do anything mm -hmm. wrong. Tom Cruise is amazing because he's yes. an American. All of that. Also, what we were talking about earlier, it has been perfectly legal to put in um, subliminal messages and things like that since the 80s. It's do been perfectly legal. Do you know, uh, like, is there, a, is there a thing that you can research that on? Um... I definitely I learned that in business law in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I can't point you to a reference. I just remember it stuck out to me, and I was like, I learned a lot of things in there. And um, a lot of, I think, I think lawyers have a pretty good grasp on why everything is so messed up. And it's, it's like, because our laws are effing nuts. Like, if you look at some of that stuff, it's like, what? I don't know how it exists. That's uh, something I've been very curious about. I, that's it. Somebody posted the other day a picture of, um, oh, was it Joe Biden and Donald Trump? And they were like, out of all of the smart, incredible people in the United States, these are our two options mm -hmm. for president. Like, how we have to start asking ourselves, like, how is this possible? Mm -hmm. Like, that's bananas. And my stepdad always told me that revolutions don't happen in the White House. They happen in the street. And when we look outside, 
brothers and sisters. Like, we, there's a new day coming, and I, we can't go back. It's like once, was it, I think it's Maya Angelou said, once you know better, you do better. And so I think that we're knowing better right now. And the people who are going to do better are going to do better, and the people who aren't, they're going to be a, I think there might be a divide, but I do think that we get to choose what we see. And we just have to help as many people as as we can while helping ourselves um, because no, we're no good to anybody without helping ourselves. I 100% uh, I agree with you on that. I think um, I think that everything that we're experiencing is ultimately about, I don't know what you said, knowing better. I think that we're getting to a point where we're realizing that this is not the way that things should be and it's not the way things want to be or we want them to be. Right. And it's just been the way that we thought it was. And how many like nothing is as it seems. Haven't we heard that like a million times? Mm -hmm. Like and we always a twenty twenty vision, I don't know, there's just so many different weird things going on. It's like we think God is like so cheeky and it's like we it's we're all just we all are you know what I'm we're all just like we're all the same ass thing I keep going back to that thing because it's just like I do really think that it is an important point I think um you know you were talking about the Alan Watts thing and that's the thing that I always go back to is this idea that God basically wanted to play hide and go seek with himself but oh, what is it that Alan Watts says? He says uh, he so cleverly forgets that he's hidden himself in you and me and everything outside. Like yeah, so to make the game entertaining. Like, right. You feel like you feel like there's some separation, and then he said, and then one day you wake up and realize you're one single self, and like you can find that, um, like like so lonely, or you can find that to be the most like uniting thing you've ever heard you know mm -hmm. just know treat everyone with compassion when you look at someone know that they're probably experiencing something just as they're experiencing the same things we've all experienced the same it's it's recycled just all of it going back to the same vibrational frequency we bring ourselves together there's there's no accidents it's not you know people People think, ooh, if I hadn't have dated this guy or if I if I hadn't have been friends with this person. No, the reason why you were friends with that person was, one, because you needed to learn from that experience, mm -hmm. but also because your vibrational energy was there. Mm -hmm. People who say, I always seem to attract assholes, it's because your vibrational energy is mm -hmm. there. You need mm -hmm. to start looking, what, what do I believe about myself? What do I believe that mm -hmm. I deserve? Mm -hmm. And that's the vibrational energy that you need to be putting into the universe, what you feel like you deserve, right. as opposed to what you have been told that you deserve. Right. There is a song called Good Thoughts, Bad Thoughts by Funkadelic. Nice. Um, it's so good. It was, it's, it was written in the 60s, but there's also a book called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. They say the same thing. And that was written in 1903. But it's like, um, he said, there is no coincidence or accident. In a world ruled by law and divine order, he rises high. Okay, there is no coincidence or accidents in a world ruled by law and divine order. 
you rise as high as your dominant aspiration, you descend to the level of you know, the lowest concept of yourself. Be careful of the thought seeds you plant in the garden of your mind, for seeds grow after their kind. That's some shit. Oh, I really like that. That goes back to uh, what we've, we've been talking about kind of throughout this whole thing, but um, creating your own reality. That's what we're all doing. That's what the vibrational frequency that we're talking about is doing. It, it's, I, our perception is that, that we are experiencing the world. No, we are creating the world. Right. This is held together by our collective imaginations, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, you have brought up so many books that I have read in the past. Um, one of the big ones for me was Think and Grow Rich mm-hmm. by Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of my all-time favorite. Like, listening to the story, it's one of my favorite things to do. Everything that he says. Yeah. And uh, he, he talks about um, uh, Thomas Edison. Or was it Thomas Edison? Uh, Thomas Edison, I think, is in the, his wheelhouse because he interviewed everybody during that I think that he was period. talking about a guy that um, wanted to apprentice for Thomas Edison. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he, so he, like, uh, he wanted to be a partner with Thomas Edison. Yes, he wanted to be Thomas Edison's business partner. And and people were like, right, okay. (laughs) He had, like, no money. He, like, hopped on a cargo train up to, uh, Philadelphia, is that right? I don't remember where it was. But wherever Thomas Edison was. Right. Well, his home was in Fort Myers, but I don't think, anyway, because I've been there. But anyway, he went there and worked on all the, they wouldn't give him a good job to save his life. And then he invented something, I can't remember the name of it. Well, I think he started out, like, sweeping, didn't he? Yeah. He was sweeping Thomas Edison. He was doing, like, nothing. He was, like, doing bitch work. (laughs) It was just, like, his insistence on working with Thomas Edison that got him the job. It was actually him. Thomas Edison invented this thing, and I can't remember what it's called. I, I think it was like a... He couldn't get of... anybody behind him on it for some reason. And the guy said, I'll go sell these. Yeah. I'll go sell these all over the country. And he, and he was like, okay, like, go ahead. And he sold all of them and then just kept selling them. And, and it was his persistence, which... It was his focus, going back to that. Let me give this example, because I've just recently noticed this. I've been finding a lot of four-leaf clovers. Oh, nice. But it's been a little bit of an experiment, sorry to anyone who listens to this who's been near me whenever I've found one. But I'll be like, I'm going to look for a four-leaf clover. And without fail, usually the people with me will say, I never find a four-leaf clover. I never blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, see, I'm down here looking for a four-leaf clover. And what you're doing is arguing for your limitations. I can't help you if you keep arguing for those limitations and we all do it to an extent. I mean, I can sit here and talk to you like this all day long and but there are still limitations that are I argue for daily. Um it's a it's not a constant struggle. It's just like like you said, the more the more we know or you know, it, we just learn. We're just here for endless learning and I do think that we're going to see like a, an increase in how much we can learn like I learned that the, the fastest computer gets three times as fast every year so we've been seeing like exponential growth we don't know what that looks like um, also 
uh, sorry, that leads me to, what's his name, Carl Sagan. Mm -hmm. He said that we could be in a virtual reality and we would never know when it flipped. Does that make sense? Like we would what never know, there? we would never know when it flipped to a virtual reality. That actually does make sense. So like we could be a freaking like hologram. And I'm just saying that I have meditated before and I had this really strange feeling that I was like gigantic, like endless, but I was just paper thin. Hmm. Like I was a screen essentially. And I was like, that freaks me out. I've had similar feelings. I know there was, I, this one wasn't actually meditating. I don't even know what happened this particular time, but like I was driving down the road and I was almost to my house. And then suddenly I just felt huge and I felt like a galaxy. Yeah. And I was, I, I could feel myself driving the car, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I felt like a galaxy. I understand that. And um, some people might not, but that's also okay. They also, they could have felt the same thing, but described it different. Yeah. There, there's, I think that there's, um, there's probably these experiences like, okay, so that, I, I felt that, you know, but what was the significance of that event? Right. It just something that happened and it didn't have an impact on my life. So it's not something that I think that people talk about very often because they don't, they don't think, you know, that was actually somewhat weird that right. that thing occurred to me. Well, that made me think of something that, uh, like we ascribe meaning to things. I, uh, we talked about this a lot in the business course that I took that I keep referring to is he said that. A situation is um, neutral until you apply your feelings to that. So he said this is an unpopular opinion, but 9-11, the plane flying into the building was a neutral occurrence. There were some people that were celebrating that in the world. There were some people who were devastated by that in the world. But the, the situation itself was absolutely 100% neutral, and that is hard it's just your how you feel about that situation and that's hard for people to understand because they're like don't we know the difference between right and wrong and that's not what we're talking about here and it's i think that's very hard for people to understand these days like for example the coronavirus if we did not have social media and the news we would be going on like nothing ever happened. We probably wouldn't even notice. Like people would get sick and we'd just be like, oh, they're really sick. I mean, it's it's nothing new, really, you know? I mean, it's a severe illness, but it's also like these have always existed. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that our focus is being taken from how we can make our lives better and it's like it's based it's fear-mongering and I, that makes us sick too fear-mongering being afraid lowers your immune system I, that is that is another thing that I, I have researched into and I completely agree with you on um, I think that all of the all of the emotions that are at the lower end of the vibrational frequency I think that that's where you can get sick um, I, one of, one of the, the big eye-opening things for me, I, have you seen the chart that it's like a rainbow and it has like 
every vibrational frequency from the highest to the lowest and the highest is enlightenment have you seen that no but i mean i can picture it, well, if, if there's like there's like a giant rainbow yeah. cone, but sense. it goes down through these emotions, and at right. the very bottom of these emotions is guilt and shame. Yeah, and realizing that those are on the bottom of the totem pole and that they were not actually noble things mm -hmm. was a thing that had a, a, a very drastic impact on my life. Mm -hmm. That I, I needed to stop feeling so ashamed mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. I needed to stop feeling so guilty. Um, and I actually listened to one guy speak about it and he said, um, he, he, he was going up the things and he got to anger and he said, I actually like anger because anger is where action occurs. Mm -hmm. Anger is like basically where, Which is you, where we're at in history. Really? I think that that's correct. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to work your way up and if you can get to anger, then you can get angry at the, um, at the negative emotions essentially. Okay. You could redirect your negative emotions so that they're more um, centered on getting you to what Solution. you actually desire. Not a problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're not. They're not bringing you down. Instead of being, um, I am afraid that I am going to fail, so I'm not going to start. Mm -hmm. I am afraid that I'm going to be stuck in a dead end job for the rest of my life, so I have to start. That's the difference. So. I'll take you one further because it reminded me of another thing from the business course where we wrote down our a list of lies that we tell ourselves. And one thing that I said was that I wasn't smart enough uh, to like have my own business and all of this stuff. And then you have to rewrite it as a truth. Mm -hmm. And I said, you said it something very similar to it earlier, but I said, I can learn anything with time and patience. And that has like, I'm like, holy crap. like. So take take a lie that you've told told yourself for years. How about like I'm no good at the guitar, and sit down with the guitar for 10, 10 minutes a day for a week. You know what I'm saying? Just like quit lying, quit lying to yourself about what you can't do, and try and change just change it up a little bit. And if you if it makes no difference, then I'm a crock of shit. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that goes back to the affirmations thing. Like all of the research that I've done into affirmations, they always talk about don't talk about your current place. Mm -hmm. Don't talk about what you want. Talk about it as if it's here yeah. and you have it and that you're grateful and you're joyful for it. And then try to try to bring up those emotions and feel those emotions as you're saying these words yes. out loud and then walk in confidence knowing that you've already got it. Yes. Yes. And that, that's and that's what I keep when you when you say that it's gratitude 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 mm -hmm. every single person Tony Robbins says that Esther Hicks Jordan Peterson every single person that I listen to that's like influential like that says that the key is gratitude and it's like gratitude for where you already are Esther Hicks has this thing where she's like um, she said you know we keep telling you it's about the journey not not the destination. She said, you know why people keep telling you that? Because it's the, the journey's the longest part. She said, think about cooking Thanksgiving dinner and how long it takes you to eat it. It takes a whole day to cook it. Everybody's done in 10, 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? It takes you a whole month to look at the Christmas tree before you get to open your presents. It's like, if you... She said, you don't get in the car to go to California and the whole way there say, oh, I'm not in California yet. Uh, 
you're just like find cool things to enjoy along the way or it's going to be a long ass trip <laughs> Alright, so that's about as much time as we have for this particular episode. Uh, we just took a quick break and Sarah went back and let me use her bidet, which was quite the pleasant experience, so thank you for that. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we head out today? Um, I just think we need to go easy on ourselves and uh, take care of yourself. I think that's the main real thing. Find the things that make you feel good and do more of those things. It's that simple yet difficult. My big thing right now is relax. It's just a ride. Yes. Okay, that makes, I have to share with you my favorite. It's what is meant for me will always be for me so I can relax. Oh, oh, I like that. That's yeah. powerful. Yeah. So, say it one more time and that'll be our closer. What is meant for me will always be for me so I can relax. What is meant for me will always be for me so I can relax. Is that correct? I like that a lot. That's it. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the Paper Bag Philosophy Podcast. This has been the uh, first episode. Like I said, this is Sarah Catherine Fort. She was my guest today. Thank you very much for being my guest. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you next time. Bye.